0: You're listening to Talks from the Apostolic Joannite Church. Uh, My name is Father Donald Donato and I'm the rector of St. Sarah's Parish of the Apostolic Joanite Church in Boston. But today I'm going to be taking you through the wonderful world of St. Bonaventure and his journey of the mind to God. The original title of this work is Itinerarium Mentis and Deum, which can be alternatively translated as The Soul's Journey into God. But because of the the kind of subject matter that we're dealing with here, um, this is in my opinion one of the most interesting and profound works of Catholic theurgy, if you will. Um, I wanted to read to you. The first part of his contemplation, which starts with some of the themes that we discussed yesterday. Since we must ascend Jacob's ladder before we descend, let us place our first step in the ascent at the bottom, presenting to ourselves the whole material world as a mirror through which we may pass over to God, the supreme craftsman. Thus, we shall be true Hebrews, passing over from Egypt to the land promised to their fathers. We shall also be Christians, passing over with Christ from this world to the Father. We shall be lovers of wisdom, which calls us and says, Pass over to me all who long for me, and be filled with my fruits. For from the greatness and beauty of created things Their creator can be seen and known. That's chapter one. I want to tell you a little bit about the man who wrote it. Um, First of all, the works of of Bonaventure are available in English. For those of you who uh, appreciate having the original text, um, I recommend this one which is, uh, there you go. So you have all the information there. I don't have to waste your time. Uh, This is the one that I preferred, uh, which is, um, let's see here, the volume two. It's actually translated by Franciscan monks. The St. Bonaventure was a Franciscan priest. Uh, There's also this, which is the Second one, Soul's Journey into God, uh, 1978. Both excellent, excellent translations. Highly recommend them. Uh, I just like to have the Latin there. And um, I'm also going to be referring to, to this book here, which is called The Secret of the Christian Way. We have, I, I have the information about that book um, at the end of the, the lecture uh, by Jean Borella, who's a French theologian. Before we get involved in Bonaventure's ideas and this incredible journey, um, I'll tell you a little bit about him. Uh, He was born in 1221. Raised in Bagno Reggio, which is very close to to Rome nowadays. By then it was a little further. (laughs) Uh, His given name was John Giovanni, Giovanni di Fidanza. And he entered the the Franciscan order in 1243 and, well, there were many interesting people with him at school. One of them was a guy named Thomas Aquinas. Mm -hmm. Um, He served as a minister general for the Franciscan order. I believe he was the sixth, if I'm not mistaken. So he, he is an interesting character in many ways because he is not only a Franciscan mystic, but he's also a scholastic. He's someone who wants to talk, who wants to think and write about what he's thinking and what he's experiencing. So you get a lot more um, data, if you will, from his journey uh, than you do from a lot of other people. And he he held the Franciscan chair at the University of Paris, so he had some time to expound his ideas. Um, His life was very, how shall I say, uh, filled with um, very interesting events. At the time, um, he was a moderate person. Uh, He was trusted by his colleagues and so therefore he was uh, instrumental in the election of a pope, Pope Gregory X, uh, who rewarded him with the red hat of the cardinal uh, he was the Cardinal Bishop of Albano. You can see here that uh, he, took, he had a, a very important role in talks with the Eastern Church, which were actually successful for a very brief moment in time, unfortunately. And it was his undoing. Someone poisoned him. Uh, he actually died at the Council of Lyon in 1274 after having been poisoned. He was canonized on the 14th of April, 1482, by Pope Sixtus IV, and declared a doctor of the church in 1588 by uh, Sixtus V. He's also known by the title Seraphic Doctor because of his use of the vision of St. Francis at La Verna. So Doctor Seraphicus is one of his names. So now let's move on to... Um, I'm just going to give you an overview of the itinerarium because it's, it's really not very complex. It's not very, it's not very big. These books look big because there are several things in them. This is just the itinerarium, but it's got a lot of notes. It's like this much is notes, and the rest of it is the, the text. So it's, not, it's really not very big. But I think that th- there's a distinction in the history of spirituality, particularly Western sp- spirituality. Uh, in his work, in that he brings together some very interesting people, Anselm, um, Augustine. He uses a number of different sources, and he thinks that, and he believes strongly in the Aristotelian way, as his colleague did, uh, Thomas Aquinas, that philosophy can open the mind. But he was much more specific about how it could open the mind, and I think the reason is because of his gnosis, because he actually had an experience, and he was drawing from someone else who had an experience, St. Francis. So you can see here, his basic thesis is this, that seeing God in nature, first thing, you you heard it in in the passage that I read to you, So you can appreciate non-intellectual material creatures are shadows or vestiges, literally footprints of God. And this is something that I've told people in the past that was my own experience, outside of an ecclesiastical experience, was actually looking at nature, looking at the patterns in nature. For me, it was my dog's tongue and a leaf which look very similar at the same time. And I thought, wow, that's definitely a footprint. (laughs) So this this is one of the first things. So he multiplies each one of these by two sections. That's how you get the seraphic wings, the six wings of the seraph. So then you move to the intellect, images and likenesses of God, the workings of the human mind and will, leading us to the illuminator of knowledge and donor of grace and virtue. So the intellect he's saying is actually the thing which, and this is very interesting for the debate about animals not having a soul, um, because if you look at it from this perspective, it sort of changes the, the way we understand that. Essentially he's saying that the logos communicates with, because it is reason, right? It is reason, pure reason. It communicates with us through the illuminator. So this is the reason why we say we have, that humans have something different from animals. The intellect itself is what brings us to be able to, to hear, eyes to see, ears to hear, as we say, before we read the gospel. And therefore, we have freedom of will. We're not just acting from instant, or we shouldn't be, although, <laughs> except at rush <Russia. laughs> hour. The root of being is the third. This is where he brought all these different sources together, Aristotle, even some Neoplatonism, St. Anselm, that God as the absolutely perfect being whose essence entails its existence, an absolutely simple being that causes all other composite beings to exist. So essentially, he's just saying, (laughs) I'll flesh it out for you. Um, Don't even try to understand the ineffable, ineffable, the Godhead, if you will, the Father. Um, It's go into the darkness. Sit in the dark. I'll come back to that in a minute. But first I wanted to, to, to show you the place where he actually had his experience so as you can see there um, it has two names La Verna is the Italian name Alverna is the Latin name so in 1259 Bonaventure experienced a vision on this on this mountain that chapel was actually there already because St Francis had had his vision there as well. Um, the particulars of the mountain are not particularly interesting, but I put them there just so you understand where what it is. Uh, but it was at this place, on the anniversary of the vision of the um, re- reception of the stigmata, that he saw a light go on. You could say during his vision. Uh, St. Francis in this place saw the Christ in the form of a seraph, right? This is the very same place. But then being a a fairly wise person and a well-educated person, Bonaventure expands on Francis, on the gnosis of Francis, and he links it to the six stages signified by the six steps to the throne of Solomon. Very interesting. Nothing is without meaning in what he writes. Everything has a meaning. numbers. And the more you read um, Itinerarium, the more you realize that this St. Bonaventure Is at his very heart um, Pulling out of the gospel of John Whether he was doing it on purpose or not I'm not quite sure But some things are He says this is from John Sometimes he doesn't At his very heart Joanie That might look familiar to some people it's one of the images of Zerath um, So he sees this as sort of a way of understanding A pattern in a spiritual way of thinking So instead of thinking like a human being thinks you, In order to think like the divine You have to use its language So these numbers and this imagery Is very important to the journey. So this is why he organizes it with a prologue and and six, six sections. So first he says, First, therefore, I invite the reader to the groans of prayer through Christ crucified, so that he may not believe that reading is sufficient without unction, speculation without devotion, investigation without wonder, observation without joy, work without piety, knowledge without love, understanding without humility, endeavor without divine grace, reflection as a mirror without divinely inspired wisdom. So you see that this is his point of departure on this road to a kind of enlightenment, you could say to understanding or to uniting his own intellect with the divine and that is coming straight out of the gospel of John here the relationship between the spirit you know coming up you have the symbol of the Holy Spirit coming down and the dove and this is a separation but also a unification so so what we're really talking about is what happens here. When St. John, this is where we need to be when we start the journey. It's it's actually the sixth level, but this is what we're, we're aiming for. And it has everything to do with John. The image of John is a kind of esoteric secret and every single, mo- even the motions that he makes in the gospel are filled with spiritual meaning. When I first saw this, I, I was overwhelmed, and I wouldn't stop talking about it. Maggie probably can attest to that. Uh, that it's a kind, of, he's, what he's describing in this journey can be seen in John. He quotes, the, he actually puts these num- the verses in it, in, in, by number. So some of you who are, int- who are familiar with orthodoxy might have seen the descent of the mind into the heart, that, that uh, phrase. But what we probably missed is that that's exactly what's happening, the image of leaning on Jesus' bosom. His head is going like this, and it's showing you the difference between this and this. So he's going like this. Oops, this is the wrong one. <laughs> and for Jesus himself, as a human being, the relationships are, are many in this, in the cross. So, you know, he's looking down at John and Mary. So you can say um, he has on either side Pneuma and Psyche in some ways, but in a much superior way. So the relationship between people, with the people who are around him, this is another level. So it's not just seeing things in the world, but in our relationships with other people. We actually start to understand the mind of God by relating with other people. So John and Mary on either side of the cross fulfill a similar function as this vertical and horizontal bar. I know this is a lot, but bear with me, because I'll go through the steps. Um, So the crucifixion is what? We were just talking about this. It's the death, sort of, of of this kind of ego. And this, I'll get to in a minute. But um, this um, reference to to, this, to myself is the divine self. So that's the imagery of of the crucifixion, which is why um, I use that picture. So here's a summary of the six steps because I I don't want to be too scatterbrained about this, but there's a tremendous amount of material in each step. So um, after we go through this, at any time, stop me. If you don't understand something, I can try to to answer your question. So we already talked about the speculation on God and the vestiges in the universe. This is the first step. So here's Father Donald, before he was Father Donald. He looks at his dog. and there's a plant in the window and he sees something and he says, "Wow, that's sort of like the epiphany or stage, right? The second is the speculation on God and the vestiges of the world sense realities. So relations, physical relations. The third is the same through the image imprinted on our natural powers. I'm gonna give you some examples instead of, we can go back to this if you'd like to see them again, but I'll show you one by one. So, that's an interesting image. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the two lower wings of the seraph symbolize seeing God through those footprints signs in the subhuman world that point to God. So that's, you know, that includes material things and things that we can understand through our senses. So that's why he he divides them two lower wings. Um, And through speculation we encounter the logos as the medium. So the going back to this you could say Yeah, we'll go with it. So the Logos is kind of like a tube. And it's pouring this here. But it can't do anything with this if it's working on this level. So that's why doing things for other people, so the image of John and Mary this relationship between these three people exemplifies the kind of divine self that is reborn, or that is awakened. It is not a sort of charismatic or evangelical or typical Christian conversion. It's not a change of heart. It's a process. And he's trying to show us that this vision that he had and that St. Francis had, the six wings with the Christ face in the middle, is the thing that was teaching him that. Just like the image of John putting his head on the master's bosom, as it says, or chest is is the same symbol for this. So (laughs) there's your footprints of God. And, you know, they should never be overlooked in this high, you know, falutin talk about theology and church and all the things that we do because these things are just as much a part of the fullness as we are. And it's through them that we can understand that we are stewards, that we have a responsibility for them. Plus, they're goofy and they look funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so that's that's the the the, uh, the first part. The second part, the intellect, divided also into two. Um, so the two middle wings of the seraph symbolize seeing God in His image, namely, in humans. Um, obviously very important. This is why, in my opinion, at least, um, you cannot have a true understanding or at least a true experience of the divine for a prolonged period of time in the right direction without having this, without having these, all of you, here. It's impossible. You learn through this. This is one of the steps. And again, he distinguished um, signs of God found in the natural exercise of the mind and theoretical knowledge from those found in its exercise in the practical sphere, reformed by by grace. So in other words, (coughs) um, it's not just about being with other people, because you can be with other people and treat them horribly. We do that all the time. Reformed by grace, in other words, understanding who they are. And so in our ritual we show that, and everything that flows out of Joanite theology comes from that kernel, right? So this is coming down here, here. And we know that everybody else has that, at least a little piece of it. And from that everything else flows. And. When we, when we do work in community and we start to understand at least this little piece of the mind of God, right? I mean, that unknowable thing. But at least I know it more than I did before. I know this much more about the mind of God than I did before when I was last year or the year before or whatever. So we gracefully use our intellect to bolster uh, ourselves up the chain. So my parishioners (laughs) got together and put this little thing together to put it on Facebook for us when we had our first anniversary. It's a good example of how we can use our intellect to boost people up the chain. Simple things that we do. So simple. And that's, it goes back to the Original plan or the description of the ineffable, which was what? It was the ultimate simplicity. So finally, union. The two highest wings of the seraph symbolize seeing God in himself or itself. First, in the way reason sees God as having one divine nature, and then as faith sees God in the Trinity of Persons. These three sets of twin steps culminate in the mental and mystical transport found in the mystical experience at the end of the journey. So here we see, we finally start to see what God is. (laughs) so no matter how bad things get again going back to John, sorry hanging on a cross no matter how bad things get that is the reality so even if you are dealing with this stuff this is the thing that reminds you and is you and makes everything about you, you. So, but then he says, so, you know, his Bonaventure asks a question. And it's full of, it, at the end, it's full of the Gospel of John again. He says, now if you ask how all these things are to come about. Ask grace, not instruction. Desire not understanding, the groaning of prayer. Not diligent reading, the spouse, not the teacher. God, not man. Darkness, not clarity. Not light, but the fire that totally inflames and carries us into God by ecstatic unctions and burning affections. The fire is God, and his furnace is Jerusalem. And Christ enkindles it in the heat of his burning passion, which only he truly perceives, who says, My soul chooses hanging and my bones death. That's from Job. Whoever loves his death can see God because it is true beyond doubt that man will not see me and live. Let us then die and enter into the darkness. Let us impose silence upon our cares, our desires, and imaginings. With Christ crucified, let us pass out of this world to the Father so that when the Father is shown to us we may say with Philip it is enough for us. That last thing came from directly out of the Gospel of John. 14.8 if you have it there if you want. Broken down. So that's pretty heavy stuff. Now I don't expect people to to go, to go home from Conclave and, 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 and say, hey, you know, Father Donald said, um, I should prefer hanging my bones and give up what you're doing. But if you're over the age of 25, you probably already noticed that that's exactly what your life is like.
1: <laughs>
0: so when we were talking about theurgy yesterday and going through the suffering. I'm not encouraging suffering. I don't need to. You suffer already. I mean we're all going to die physically of a, probably a horrible death, right? Some kind of disease. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's quick and painless. But, you know, you don't really need to to work on that part. You don't need to you don't need to attack yourself to a cross. You just need to understand the relationships that are going on. So, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to open it up to some questions. Further reading: um, highly recommend the for the first one, which really spells it out. It's a bit dry because it's. It's an academic thing, but it's not very big. The Secret of the Christian Way. Um, it's an excellent expose. He it's actually written based on, based on the Itinerarium, so uh, it's put together in the same way that that is. Uh, there you go. So. <laughs> um, I wanted to go back to the, um, there. Okay, if you wanted to look at that some more, while I'm answering questions, Jonathan. Was Bonaventure's vision the exact same as uh, Saint Francis? Um, no, no, it wasn't. No, the seraph was the same. The but it was different. It was different. He he envisioned. All kinds of things that probably came from his own learning and experience that Francis wouldn't have had. So, so it wasn't exactly the same. It was very similar. It had some of the same. Basically, it was the uh, it was the the seraph with the Christ head that was the same and some of the same ideas. So it's. I know it's a lot to to try to grasp, but. Basically, it's—I mean—it's fairly logical, right? You see the uh, yes. Oh, no, please continue. You, you see the the foot—you know—so you're starting from a place where you can really understand things, the footprints, as it were, and then you work up into the intellect, and then finally you're in this ecstatic relationship, or or at least you're you're seeing things come and go. You're, you know, you—I think that these things are not—they're certainly not linear in the sense that I don't think that there are people in this room who are at different levels, I think that you're at different levels all the time. I think the same person could be at all of these levels even, um, giving at any given point in time. So I guess the, the, the goal is to always be at the sixth level. <laughs> uh, Do you
2: have any practice on, on how to... Uh, you know, go through that process. I mean I mean I understand what the process is. but he actually teach anybody how to walk it or is there a tradition that, that is, is built upon this?
0: Well, uh, you have to remember that this is uh, coming from somebody who was a Franciscan priest. so that would have been his way. Uh, yeah, I mean so it, was, it would have been kind of a given that, that his, uh, his way of teaching other people to, to that this would have been as a Franciscan. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't it doesn't mean either that he that he wasn't interested in teaching people who were not monks, or nuns, um, and I don't think that he would have ever he, he certainly didn't mention monasticism as as the be all or or even necessary or or desirable he never even mentions it really so it's it's obvious to me that obviously he's writing this for a certain group of people who could read because in, in the 1270s, people, a lot of people didn't read, right? So it would have been people who were uh, teaching other priests, basically. But I, I would say that if you wanted to find the, the actual practicum of uh, St. Bonaventure, you would just look at the Franciscan uh, rule. What are the, the three things that in the mind six wings six solid steps and all that Well, there are three, two sets of th- three. there are two sets of three two sets. Mm-hmm. so the uh, the two lower wings sorry two, the two lower wings there's three sets of two two lower wings uh, symbolize uh, the vestigia right the the footprints the, the two middle wings of the seraph symbolize seeing god in his image Namely, in humans understood as bearing within their intellectual nature, uh, as special signs pointing to God. And the two highest wings are, are symbolized seeing God in himself. First, in the way reason sees God, so the logos, reason, and then um, as having one divine nature. So, This is what he calls, actually, the... I mean, this has been called the alchemical crucifixion, which I thought was a very interesting name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so this, this, uh, this comes from uh, the Gospel of John twelve thirty two. So this means that it is the exaltation that realizes and gives its own direction to the horizontal direction or width. Or again, it is transcendence that gives the key to immanence. Their identity resides in the divine self. So to me, um, the supreme point from whence the cross of transcendence and immanence bursts forth like the sun of glory. Very poetic, of course. Um, But the Pneuma and the Psyche come up over and over and over again. As in the in the last stage, this is sort of the battle that goes on between the mind and so you know you've you've all seen it. You get overly intellectualized in seminary, especially, and you have a crisis because it's, it all sounds like well there are you know there are so many different things that you can believe or not believe, and and we know that the scriptures are, are unreliable sometimes. And uh, we know that uh, traditions can be unreliable or difficult or um, they, don't, they don't reflect the, the kind of values that we have as Joanites. So you know there's always that kind of relative problem. So this I think is open enough to allow you to, to kind of plug into that tube you know, of the logos and try to write it out. Um, it's a two way street, right? And so that you know, he he talks. Bonafontier discusses relationship with the divine quite often. And um, you heard what he said about how you do this, right? You you don't do it by reading books. He's not saying don't read books. Obviously, the guy is a chair at the University of Paris, right? <laughs> um, he's not saying that intellectualism is bad. He's not saying that learning is bad at all. No it's history. just a. It's not, it's not going to get you to where you want to go. It, it's a step. It, it can be a step. Any other questions? We have plenty of time.
2: The first few steps are more... Are, are they more intellectual and logical <coughs> is you you are using your logic and your reads and to look for the vestiges
0: and then you are transitioning from yes yeah definitely I mean you' you're, you're, you're using <coughs> you're starting by just using your animal senses right yeah um, and then and then you're slowly moving up yeah. but, but is he asking us to abandon cause He does he talks about going into the darkness right is he asking us to 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 abandon the crutch of, of reason and logic as we go up. No, not at all. Um, he he's saying that the that logic, that reason, that reason is the logos, right? Or, so there's no way that can happen. It's just that your perception of reason is different from from the lower level to the higher level. But it's sort of like the. You know, remember, I the use movies, but they date me. But if people are old enough to remember Poltergeist.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they throw, the, they throw a rope
0: into the light. Mm-hmm. So you could say that's the logos, kind of, in this mm-hmm. scenario. That's the thing that can go from, from one to the other, one side to the other.
1: I'm not even sure I want to delve into this,
2: but um, so much of this, since it starts out with seeing the vestiges of in in the natural world, in the material world, is there any sense in which this is problematic for somebody coming from a, a Gnostic standpoint where materiality is always problematized, where materiality is always uh, suspect? I mean, is there, do we have to think about this somewhat differently than, say, a Roman Catholic, you know, where God is manifesting all creation in this very straightforward, straightforwardly positive way? Do we have to think about it differently? Yeah, I think you
0: kind of have to piggy, yes, very good question. Uh, you have to piggyback the uh, materiality along with the psyche problem. So when you you when you crucify your ego, you're crucifying warped reality. Right. You're you're crucifying the the world that is full of cancer and war and fighting and Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> Actually, if I might point out, that sounds very similar to a verse in the Gospel of Philip, where he speaks of coming to crucify the world. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, very, very similar.
2: I always talk about it in terms of, you know, we are meat beings, and we have the, these are the tools that we have in order to approach something higher, than something more transcendent. So you got to start it. Yeah. And then you work out.
0: So when you, um, if I can find it. Yeah. You want, don't you I don't know if intentional,
1: but the it seems like it's it can be cyclical as well, the experience and learning. You said people are going be at
0: different levels or all these levels at once or sometimes there's a roundabout before, sometimes before you can see God in nature or even the, the footprints correctly, coming into that, you know, maybe that just education, starting off there and then, like you said, maybe. do you think you would have had that epiphany of, of uh, the dog's tongue and the uh, the leaf, seeing that it's so, as something being deeper than just, oh, that's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing kind of a, a deeper, more spiritual meaning through that, uh, that, maybe the two going up and down of that cyclical learning, coming through a place where you can uh, have eyes to see, rather yep. than you know, just the basic. Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, and again, it's, it requires this. Remember, um, when you go to, so you need the logos on one, even there, and then here, there's he's distinguishing between so the two middle links, um, seeing God in his image in other words, people. So, but you can also interpret that as you as you are or you as you would be without. Say. Or I don't like to use this term, but Hylik or Helic however you like to pronounce it, that's the, that's the sort of monkey man, uh, monkey man, and then homo sapiens, being good. <laughs> uh, being, full, being pulled along by, or you could say drinking through the straw of the logos, or being pulled up by the rope. <laughs> so. You know, that's absolutely essential to his, um, your grace, that's actually really important to to his ideas, which don't It's I find it really interesting because it doesn't really conflict with anything that we have. Um, Although it is built on the idea that the the one and creation is perfect and it's just us that's messed up. I mean, let's don't make, I I don't want to misrepresent Bonaventure here. Um, he's, he's definitely working off of that assumption, but it doesn't really matter <laughs> because once you realize that this grace, however you want to look at it, is necessary, and I'm, I'm simplifying reformed by grace by, with, the, with this image for a reason because, because it's, it's a very simple thing. It's, it's, it's the gesture, it's the humanity uh, recognizing the divine. So um, not only is Christ the shared bread, right? Uh, Christ is the least among you. So that teaching of how you deal with the least among us as that you see um, in apostolic teachings and in the Gospels is the same virtually as, as this...
2: Um, no, I'm kind of translating this for myself as like a, a very simple form of esotericism and I say simple in the sense of like um, there's no like draw a triangle on the floor and then do this and then and then, you know that kind of stuff the goals are the same you know I think to a certain degree um, with many other different uh, paths to do that but it but it seems like this one's not as like detailed. There, there's more forest than there are trees in this one. And I'm wondering, assuming that Bonaventure like came to grips with these other paths, and was like, okay, I understand that they're going in the same direction. What do you think from your reading, and being that he's a Franciscan too, that he would think about these other paths and the complexity of them versus this path
0: that he's presenting here. Well, I think that's the reason he wrote the thing in the first place, isn't it? Because he didn't think that there was, that he didn't think that his students were receiving enough information or that this context of his, this gnosis of his um, is was so important that he would he would write it down, which in those days was unusual, right? He didn't, new things were, were not, um, were not necessarily encouraged in the 13th century. So, um, so that there weren't any new things. There was quite a lot of uh, speculation going on at that time. Remember that um, the sort of, if you would think of uh, bio, sort of uh, the new industries that we have now, uh, in, in Massachusetts we have the, the bio industry or nanotechnology and all this stuff where there. are uh, you know, building houses with bacteria. <laughs> yeah, that, that sort of leading edge science was, in, when he was living, centered around the Eucharist and understanding and defining it. That was what universities were created for. I mean, it was to, to investigate the mysteries. So, in that context, um, and in the new era of scholasticism that he represents, the very first sort of class, you could say, um, they were definitely going out on a limb, and, th- and it wasn't just him. Of course, he's, you know, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, but there were others who were who were coming out with new material at that time. So, um, I'm not exactly sure if there's a relationship between. Um, the First Crusade and all the things that happened after that and the, the building of the Gothic cathedrals and all this, you know, we've all heard about these stories of bringing back knowledge and opening up minds and,
2: and this kind of thing. Or it could also be mostly home, homegrown. I'm just saying, I was asking like, do you, do you think it's just a personal preference on his part or do you think that they had uh, a legitimacy or he felt it was that, that homegrown simplicity was a legitimate and necessary component to that, as opposed to it being more complex than it needed to be. Yeah, I, yes, um,
0: absolutely. Because it, you can tell by the, what, what happens to him. So, if you put it in a modern context, you, you know, um, so you have someone who's going to his teacher's holy place. And his teacher represents everything that's simple about. Him the one church, right? And it's it's a person who represents uh, rebuilding the church, the spirituality of the church, which for us resonates, right? So the Franciscan ideal is something that he lives for, right? And he goes to the mountain where St. Francis received the vision and the stigmata, and he's probably sitting there on a rock, and he's thinking about it, and all of a sudden, he thinks, well, not, you know, not only this, but he adds to it. And he starts seeing these, you know, he starts putting two and two together, as it were, and building on the, on the shoulders of St. Francis, where St. Francis was a very simple, fairly simple person, a fairly simple writer. Um, and he was wealthy but, and educated, but he was not, uh, he wasn't an academic or, or before he you know, entered. So yeah, I think that from a Franciscan point of view in the 13th century, they were absolutely looking to simplify, uh, yes, and that you could see it in him having this war within himself, like he really, he's like kind of like me and like you, we really like this stuff, but it, we know in our heart that it doesn't work a lot of the time because it's so complicated. So, so you, you just, he's just dying to try to and then all of a sudden, bing! You know, he sees this image, and it starts making all this sense. And he's saying, "It's not that difficult." Yes, or no? Uh Actually, just to
1: add to what you were saying, um, from a history of philosophy point of view, the way the story typically gets told is Saint Bonaventure really appears as a figure who's kind of a counterbalance to someone like Aquinas, who is really a very intellectual kind of person, and he represents this very cognitive focused approach where he's taking uh, all of this very complicated Aristotelian conceptual baggage and really using it to do the cutting edge research on things like the Eucharist and how the Trinity works and stuff like that. Bonaventure represents a bit of a curve to that, where he says, well, no, you can't just do this all through thinking. You have to also have grace. You also have to struggle with the darkness of it. Um, and so yeah, that's obviously not talking strictly about the esoteric or spiritual side of it. But, but I think this push towards simplicity um, towards a non-discursive gnosis is is there strongly in Bonaventure as yeah. compared to someone like Yes.
0: And you know he then he was, uh, he was famous a little bit after, um, partially because he was assassinated, <laughs> uh, which helps him. Yeah. Um, but I don't, you know, it's no small feat to get a pope elected and to bring to the to the East and the West back together again. So okay, pretty good resume. But uh, you know he was he was definitely at that point where. Um, you know there, there's no way that he could possibly describe in a simpler way to people that I'm sure he came across every day um, how what this I mean, how this works for them and I think the, the the imagery you know the imagery is certainly a big help um, you know you and that's why I, so this kind of led into what I'm probably going to talk about next year <laughs> because I discovered all this stuff, uh, correlation, you know, sort of intertextual revelations coming out of him. Um, but it's clear, I mean, I personally, I just can say for myself that I don't think there's any way that a person could have such um, an incredible and profound grasp. Of spirituality without actually having experienced it. I mean, I haven't been around that long, but I've been around long enough to smell things that aren't real, and that's—he's definitely not in that category. Don't pause after that
2: next time. You do (laughs) (laughs) that. We will insert. (laughs) (laughs) I've been around long enough to smell.
0: (laughs) He's definitely not in that group, but no, yeah.
2: I just want to add or ask um, kind of about, uh, about what Joey was saying about, about
0: the system and Bonaventure's thoughts on it. I, I'm assuming Bonaventure wouldn't have thought that this is his system or his thought necessarily, because no. it's coming out of a vision, so it, it's revelation. It's He wasn't like, this is my to get the God. I had the vision of the seraphim. Yes. Oh, these are what
2: the wings actually mean. You know, God is communicating this method to me.
0: Yes. Yeah, oh absolutely. And so yeah, the image, so what I'm getting at is, um, first of all, he he was, you know, I was trying to make a point about him. Um, So although he was killed, he, um, and all that, he was, he became kind of a, um, an object of devotion in some ways. And, And people really saw the value in what he had left. Um, so much so that Dante wrote about it. He was in—he was actually in Paradise, flying with Beatrice. You've seen probably—you might have seen the, the, illumin, the illumination of one of the uh, more famous copies of of the Paradiso, which. Has a picture actually? It shows Bonaventure with his red hat and his Franc- Franciscan robes, and he's kind of flying across the top of all the saints um, with um, with Van uh, So I mean, that's what Dante thought of him. And Dante was much grumpier than I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not saying something. And um, so that, that's. It's, it's, he, he's a very important, I think that, that what I'm trying to get at is, I think that his, his reputation really speaks for itself within a very short period of time. You know, you have a lot of people who are just like, wow, this is, this is incredible stuff. And, um, I don't think it was the Kennedy factor where it was just because he was bumped off at the Council of Lyon, but, uh, I don't think that's just the reason why he became so popular or interesting. But unfortunately, he's not really, he's kind of... Well, another reason that when I started reading this, um, I I was kind of sad that I I, because I'd never really heard about it, and so I thought that I would share it with you because I thought it was about everything that we do. Any any other questions? No.